Hello, and welcome back to the North Georgia Blue podcast, produced and distributed by the Fannin County Democratic Party. I'm your host, Meryl Clark, and we're getting into some good trouble today with our guest, Kim Floria, Democratic candidate for Georgia State House District 30. Welcome to the show, Kim. We're happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Fantastic. Well, let's let our listeners know a little bit about you. Kim is running for Georgia House in District 30, which is comprised of Flowery Branch in a small part of Northeast Buford. She was born and raised in Chicago to a middle-class family that consisted of Catholic priests, social workers, lawyers, and teachers, all servant leaders, I've noticed. She moved to California shortly after high school graduation, where she resided until her relocation to Georgia four years ago. Kim has served as a sign language or ASL interpreter for over three decades and holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in Deaf Studies from California State University at Northridge. She has always been socially and politically aware and became even more so after the birth of her son. Now she's terrified, as we all are, Kim, for her children and grandchildren's futures. Kim initially resided in Gwinnett County and actively participated in the Gwinnett Democrats meetings and the 2018 elections. She has subsequently relocated to Hall County and immediately began attending the Hall County Democrat meetings and served as the first vice chair for two years. Kim always believed she would run for office one day, and due to gerrymandering, which created an open seat, she is now a candidate for the Georgia House. And thank you, Kim, for all you do and for your candidacy. So let's dive right in. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, pardon the pun. What are your thoughts on the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe? I think what's ironic is for years, my mom and I, like maybe 15, 20 years, we've been screaming, it's the courts, it's the courts. And no one was listening to the two of us in Southern California, despite all of our yelling. So we're not surprised by it. Not at all. I think when Moscow Mitch did his dirty tricks when President Obama was trying to put Justice Garland in, we knew we were in big trouble. And I'm horrified by it. Just horrified. I had someone comment on a post of mine yesterday or something and kind of made reference to her being a pro-life and how none of her choices have changed as a result. And I thought, well, isn't that nice for you? It's changed for the rest of us. So I'm horrified. I'm worried, really worried. And there are going to be more to come, as we know. Mm-hmm. Birth controls next on the chopping block, gay marriage. Sure. I mean, it's horrifying. It's just horrifying. Well, they've basically already gutted the EPA. Yes. Uh, and we'll talk about gun rights in a moment, but they're going to set us back decades. I'm sure of it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to fight that much harder just to get back to where we were, which is highly disturbing and aggravating, but we just have to keep going. So thank you for your candidacy and thank you for fighting the good fight. So you also have recent education bills on your mind. Can you please elaborate on that? Actually, here in Hall County, we're going to be hosting a education forum next Wednesday. Some of the Democrat candidates put this together. And the House district that I'm in was gerrymandered. And the previous candidate that held this seat is now in 31. And I was looking over his record and all the candidates that it seems on the Republican side all are talking about the book banning and not teaching history as it should be taught. And 
I'm horrified. I'm a product of public education and don't blame the public schools because I was a rough A growing up, but I'm a product of public education and I think it's valuable. I think whitewashing history so as to not hurt the feelings of those kids, whoever those kids are, I think is just detrimental. Look at what DeSantis is doing in Florida. It's just horrible. We're becoming a Christian state when public schools are now going to be anything but public, anything but an education that it was intended to be. So it's very nerve wracking. SCOTUS is the Supreme Court of the United States. SCOTUS is eroding the separation between church and state. Mm -hmm. Tell us why it's so important to maintain that separation. Well, I think like a lot of us, when you think of it, you think, well, with the coach that can pray now, I'm wondering, are they going to feel the same way when a Muslim teacher wants to pray or do their rituals? Are they going to feel the same when other parents of non-Christian belief bring up discussions at the school meetings in terms of what they find to be valuable? I think it just opens the door for, I take that back. It doesn't open the door because the door is basically open for the Christian right to infiltrate the schools, but it's not going to allow other beliefs. And that is not where I want my kids to learn religion. If I want my kids to have a religious background and religious education, then I think then you need to send them to a school of your choice that teaches that. I believe completely of separation in church and state. It has no room in the public education realm at all. I agree. And I'm also a product of a public, an exemplary public education, which I was fortunate enough to receive. So I completely agree with you. What are some of your goals when you're elected? See, I'm manifesting here. When, not if, when you're elected to the Georgia State House, what are some of your goals that you'd like to realize and get past? Yes, I'm manifesting it too. The numbers aren't in my favor, but I think it's a possibility. I want to secure women's health care. Definitely that is number one on my list. I'm trying to think of a word, how to like incorporate pro-choice, pro-life. Like I got to come up with a word that shows that I'm pro your life to live how you choose to. I can't quite figure out a word. The argument in terms of the voting rights, all of those terms that get the right stirring and going are worth fighting for from a democratic perspective. Right now, I have on my computer the democratic creed. I don't know if you've ever looked at that, but it was in a book I just recently read. And it just says, pledges to equal justice and exact justice in all men of every creed and condition. I am 100% a believer in justice for all, (laughs) just equal justice for everybody. I don't know if it always looks the same, but it needs to be equal. And that's what I definitely am fighting for. And mostly, like I just said, mostly for women's health care, especially the right to choose when to have a family. Yes, absolutely. And let's talk about health care a little bit here. We all believe health care should be a right for everybody right? Not just a privileged few. So let's chat about the state of healthcare in Georgia and the lack of Medicaid expansion. What are your thoughts on that? I'm new to the political realm, as you know. So I was just doing some research and no one that I have heard of really explains what Medicaid expansion means. And they just say Medicaid expansion and everyone freaks out. But what I looked up and maybe, you know, it just was referring to people being covered from the age of 65 and down. Why is that such a problem? Why would we not want to cover most of our people here in Georgia? I know there's hundreds of thousands who aren't covered and yet we have the ability to do it. And I think my personal belief is that had it been a Republican who had the Affordable Care Act, you know, which was under Obama, Had it been a Republican president who passed the bill, every Republican state would have jumped on board. 
I definitely believe it's more of a sign of the Republican Party not wanting to accept that Obamacare has benefited millions of people and could benefit more, but they choose not to. Why do you suppose that is? I believe wholeheartedly that the Republican Party, at least the right-wing wackos, because they're not all horrible. Oh, no, of course not. But the GOP itself has embraced this branch of the party because it gives them control and possibly more votes. Yes. So we have to blame them on that part anyway. Yes, most definitely. I think they just have been taught to hate liberals more than anything else. I think they see us liberals and we are liberals of varying degree. I think they've been taught that we are the enemy of the state even though they benefit from programs that Democratic leaders have implemented and liberals believe in. Exactly. Why do you suppose that is? Why do you think that Republicans tend to vote against their own self-interest? Why is that? I can't figure it out. A lot of people smarter than I are trying to figure out. I just think, I mean, just from a layman's view is, I just think they believe They have more in common with the Republicans in terms of maybe they could aspire to. Like, I always thought it was funny when George Bush was president. People would say, well, I know I could just sit down and have a beer with him. And I thought he would no more sit down and have a beer with you (laughs) than jump off a building. But again, I think if all the programs that they benefited from and they still benefit from were wrapped in a Republican seal, they would be jumping for joy and embracing them. I think because it's their liberal views. And again, I just think they hate us. And I can't figure it out because you're a nice person. I'm a nice person. I just want what's best. I want an equal playing field for everybody. And they don't see it that way. So I can't figure it out. But when I figure it out, I'm going to let you know. Yes, please do. (laughs) (laughs) Because I've been wondering about that for a long, long time. Yeah. And it makes no sense to me, but maybe somebody could explain it to both of us. I don't know. But I feel your pain on that one. I truly do. I was reading a book called Dirt Road Revival. The author is escaping me. I apologize. The Democrat candidate up in Maine who won in a very red area, just talking about knocking on the doors of the backwoods, you know, those little streets that most people don't want to go down. And she says that what she found that a lot of people were like us, believed like us, but got pulled astray by the Republican party. And it's about us getting them back into the fold and that we are more like them, I think, than the Republican Party is. At least our goals are. Sure. We're more of a community. It's the parties that are trying to divide us. Yeah. More so, and especially the GOP. Yes. So we do need to remember that. And we're all in this together. Like it or not, they're going to have to suffer with us liberals for a while. Exactly. For a long, long time. So at the time of this recording, we just celebrated July 4th here in this country. And of course, there was another mass shooting because this is our new reality, right? So what is your take? on our current gun laws and what should we do to stop mass shootings moving forward? Coming from California, the gun issue is something that I've had to really wrap my head around the past couple of years since I've been here to try to understand. And I don't understand it. I don't think anybody needs to have automatic weapons. I don't know what the solution is. I really don't. I don't know what's going to work because they don't want to even budge a little bit on some of this stuff. Like what they have in the Senate now that hasn't even passed. I'm not clear on it because I'm still kind of learning the new norm here, but I've never been a gun person. Now, my husband, my son, 
they have registered, they've gone through the proper channels, they go to a shooting range, they enjoy that. I don't necessarily think automatic guns are necessary anywhere outside of the military. If you look at the mass shootings, they've all been with high-powered magazines, which I don't even understand why anybody would need one of those. I agree with you. So you're in favor of banning the high-capacity assault weapons and magazines. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, yes. Yes. If I had my way, they would be. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we're ever going to get there because of the grasp the Second Amendment has on people and the NRA, which... Again, this is a new norm I'm learning about being here. So trying to learn more about it so I become educated on what really it is. It's a cultural thing here, at least in the South. But it's obviously a problem all over because it doesn't seem to be stopping. No, it doesn't. And I agree with you completely about banning assault weapons and high capacity magazines. What will it take to get there? Because when the Republicans allowed the ban on assault weapons to expire, shootings went up by over 230% mass shootings. And we have a mass shooting nearly every day, sometimes two, sometimes three in this country where people lose their lives in grocery stores and concerts and marching in a parade to celebrate your country's founding. I mean, just everyday activities where people have to literally take their life into their own hands. What do you think it's going to take to make Republicans understand that it's not only Democrats that are getting mowed down, it's Republicans as well. It's everybody. What is it going to take to communicate this to their base? Really, to be honest, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it could ever be done. I just mean that in what has worked so far and what have they done so far? I don't really know. I'm skeptical about really anything working. Now, part of what I'm trying to learn is more about the laws here being in Georgia. And from what I understand, there's a lot of laws on the books that aren't enforced. So maybe if we go back and again, I am not the scholar on gun laws. Maybe if we go back and look at some of the laws on the books and just try to enforce those, maybe that would be a step in the right direction. But they're just draped in the Second Amendment as if that's the holy grail of life. So I don't really know. You know, I appreciate your candor. I really do, because so many candidates come on and they espouse all the talking points and just follow the party line. But I appreciate your candor in saying you don't know, but you're willing to find out. And I think some of the laws that you may be referring to are red flag laws, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Actually, Florida, believe it or not, has extremely stringent red flag laws that have taken away guns from a lot of potentially violent people. Yes. What I am for is I'm certainly for raising the age Yes, to be able to purchase these. If my kid can't go out and buy a six pack of beer, how... Can my kid go out and buy an automatic rifle? Oh, basically a killing machine, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense to me. So I don't understand why they won't even raise the age to 21. Let's start somewhere. Let's go to 21 and then let's see how it works. But I am all for that 100%. I said, if you can't buy beer, you can't buy a gun like that. Sorry. Exactly. It's just common sense to me. Right. So I don't understand why it's not common sense to everyone. That's a mystery. But some of these advocates for the Second Amendment, do they really believe it? Or is that just something they're towing the party line with those beliefs? I don't know. I I think it's both. Yeah, I think it's both. I think much of their base, actually, the Republican base truly believes in it. Yeah. 
But I think the politicians themselves are rather cynical about their approach and they don't necessarily believe in it, but they're willing to use it to get the votes and be elected. And that's what's happening now. So what do you think we need to do to prevent a president Ron DeSantis. I'm much more worried about him right now than I am about Trump. So what is it going to take to make the country and the electorate that votes in our country understand how dangerous that presidency could potentially be? That's another one of those, boy, if I find out, I'm going to let you know. I don't know. My hope is that over the next year or so that, you know, I love they use the term woke as if it's an insult. Right. (laughs) Although it's not. I love being woke. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Yes, we could be woke and we could be aware and become more knowledgeable about ourselves and change our views. There's nothing wrong with that. So I guess my hope is that people will wake up to what a disaster that would be. I mean, he's just a horrible human being. You have to really ask yourself, like, really could, I mean, he could be worse than Trump and he would be. I just think four years of another disaster like Trump or even worse, I don't think our country really would survive. We already know that Moscow Mitch is going to do everything he can if he wins the Senate we're in big trouble, you know, in the midterm. And if we lose the presidency in 24, I just think it's a time that there's going to be no turning back. Like some people are going to wake up in 10, 20 years and hit themselves on the head. Like, Oh, I could have had a V8. Like, Oh my gosh, I was part of the dawn of the dark ages part two. I think people are going to wake up and they're going to be shocked. How could they not be shocked now? I mean, problem with DeSantis is he's a competent version of Trump. Yes. And that is scary. Very much. A competent version of Trump can create a lot of damage. He looks sane. I mean, doesn't he look, and I'm using air quotes, he looks sort of sane. Mm -hmm. Trump just looks like he left the circus, but... DeSantis, he's attractive to people like that. And so maybe people will be looking at him saying, well, he doesn't look crazy like the previous guy, like Trump. So I'm like wondering where am I going to move? I think a lot of people are wondering that, like, where could I go if that were to happen? Because that would be a fight that I don't know if we liberal Democrats, independents, however you want to call it, I don't think that's a fight we would ever be able to recover from. It's actually a fight or flight response. Yes. I personally believe we should keep fighting for our values and for government with integrity, but you're right. It's going to be very difficult to come back from that. And it's going to take a long, long time, probably decades. Decades. Yes. This is the cleanup that's going to, my mom would say, it's going to take several election cycles. And I'm like, not if we lose the presidency in 24, the Supreme Court's going to do what it's want. The Senate's going to do what they want. Well, Supreme Court is already doing what they want. That's true. Setting us back to the dark ages with their ruling. Mm -hmm. What would you say to Democrats who might be disillusioned? Let's say there are Democrats listening to this podcast that say, oh my gosh, Congress is ineffective. The administration isn't doing enough. What would you say to Democrats who are disaffected and prefer to stay home? rather than vote in November, what would you say to them? I would say from what I read, 18 million people didn't vote in 2016. And my question would be, how did that turn out? If 18 million people would have showed up at the polls in 2016, we would be telling a different story today. And I think like you just said, and I am a fighter and I will continue to fight as best we can, as best as I can. And I say, don't give up. And the truth of the matter is, 
the Democrats aren't a perfect party. We're just not. I think we're seen as weak because we're the caring party and we want the best and we want to take the high road. And I'm not all for the high road. I like to take the low road, to be honest with you. You want to fight fire with fire, right? I understand. I could go Marjorie Taylor Greene on just about anybody. Let me tell you that. I just think that the Democrats, I would say, don't stay home. This is a fight. And it's sad. And I'll tell you what, for a long time, years ago when I was younger, I thought, oh, darn, I miss the whole 60s thing, the whole 70s peace, love and war. But we're here. (laughs) I didn't think I was going to really do it. I didn't think it was going to happen to this extent again. But I would tell the Democrats, though, yes, we're not a perfect party. We are not perfect in any stretch of the imagination. And we run the gamut of beliefs. However, we are definitely the party for the people. We are definitely the party that values families because I've about had it with the Republicans saying we are the party of family values when they don't value families, they don't value choice, they don't value personal lifestyles. But we are the party that does that. We are the party that does. And we have to keep fighting and do not stay home because it didn't work last time. And it's certainly not going to work this time. It's going to even make it worse and run for office. My husband said, I'm tired of you yelling at the TV, get out there and do something. So if you're tired of yelling at the TV and using very colorful vocabulary, which I do, then you have to get out there and do something. You can't just stay home. Right. You certainly can't complain. That's right. If you don't actively become engaged. And I agree with you. And I would also add that it's so important to vote up and down the ballot. All the way down. Right, because statewide offices are so important as are the legislative offices like the one you're in for. Yeah, yeah. So Kim, we so appreciate you and all you do. If anyone listening to this podcast wants to get involved, donate, volunteer with your campaign, where would you send them? I would send them to my website, which is Kim Floria. That's K-I-M-F-L-O-R-I-A, F-O-R, Georgia, spell that. Kim Floria for Georgia. And that's also my Facebook and I'm on Instagram. I'm on all the social media and they can reach me that way. Find me on Facebook. Fantastic. And finally, and I ask all my guests this question. I know you do. I know. Thank you for listening. And they always tell me it's the hardest question to answer. Tell us a fun fact about yourself, something not necessarily related to your candidacy or your political campaign. Tell us something fun just about Kim. Okay. I was listening to your podcast with June this morning and listen to her fun fact. A fun fact about me is I actually took pole dancing lessons probably 15 years ago when I was a wee bit younger. And I'm here to tell you, it is not as easy as those ladies make it out to be. You know, as a sign language interpreter, I always worry about my hands, but it was, it's not an easy thing. And they make it look like a walk in the park. And one more fun fact is my husband and I actually met teaching spin classes, indoor cycling classes. We used to teach indoor cycling at the same gym and that's how we met. So Fantastic. Well, that's a great way to meet someone. Thank you, Kim, for joining us today and sharing more about your critical work in candidacy to support democratic ideals and policy. I'm Meryl Clark and on behalf of our team, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the North Georgia Blue podcast. Join us next time when we chat with Bryce Berry, president of the Young Democrats of Georgia. To learn more about us and the work that we're doing, visit us online at FannonCountyGeorgiaDemocrats.com, all spelled out. Share the North Georgia Blue podcast 
podcast with your friends and family, be sure to subscribe and follow. And if you enjoy our podcast, be a founding patron and friend of the show at NorthGeorgiaBluePodcast.com slash patron with three different giving levels to choose from, offering cool swag, recognition on the show and website, and valuable gift cards to help us continue getting into more good trouble. 